Yeah, I've never seen the movie Groundhog Day, but I think this is going to be like Groundhog Day because we're going to kind of recycle the same intro as last week. So sending you a link, I want you to tell me, is this real or is this fake? There's a website for uh, tesladating.co, which is a dating app exclusively for Tesla owners. This is this is fake. No, it's real. Like it's a, it's in a private alpha, but it is real. The, so the the reason I thought it was fake, well, so first I thought it was real, but then I thought it was fake because of the featured in section. It's really been featured in all these places. I mean, these aren't high class. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is a Rupert Murdoch rag. And I don't know what the <laughs> hell Ben Zynga is. Uh, no, you are right. It is fake. Um, okay. yeah. So this case, uh, this is the first time I've seen it, but apparently it, it was a thing that happened late last summer and what, what even happened last year, but it's pretty good. You'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, the tagline of the dating app is because you can't spell L O V E without E V. Um, I, I, I don't like that. There's a lot of creepy stuff on it too, where if you look, uh, are you looking at the main site? I am. Yeah. So it cycles through a couple of screenshots. One of the dating profiles says uh, it's from Mia and the, her uh, tagline is atheist, dreamer, eco lover, looking for adventures and fun, full self-driving so you can meet me in the back seat, which is very creepy. But I, I feel like this stuff is that's where it borders on kind of uncanny valley of how it might actually be kind of real where you have to prove your ownership and explain what type of of Tesla you have. Um, so yeah, apparently I don't know what happens if you put your email address in here uh, to get early alpha access. <laughs> but I assume they just they they try to sell you some Bitcoin or make your your Model Y like mine Ethereum or something. I'm I'm closing this tab. Uh, that's that's probably um, <laughs> that's probably safe. Um, what else did I have? Um, also we we should apologize because we skipped a week because you you went on your your big grand vacation so oh i just mean i used i i looked at screens in a different location (laughs) right (laughs) by myself um (laughs) well that's that's the thing where i i don't know where the comic is but if somebody's like uh oh well there's there's multiple of them there's one where have you you know the comic nancy Mm, no you're, you're thinking think of, you're so. thinking of kathy well, i was actually thinking of fancy nancy which is a is fancy line nancy? of uh children's books which has since been adapted into a disney channel original series and um madeline's a big fan of the book series and presumably will be a big fan of the tv show which of course is available on disney plus someday have you shown her bluey yet uh, we we call blueberries blueies, but I'm not sure what you're referring to. Okay, there's there's a kids show that's objectively great from Australia called Bluey, where it's a family of blue healer dogs, and mm. uh, it's actually like it is well reviewed as being one of the best uh, shows for kids, and it's very palatable even for adults to the point where, as a single adult without any children, <laughs> I have unironically watched it, and it wasn't that bad. Hmm, okay. Um. Yeah, I can't find it, but but yeah, it was it was, it was just uh. Eh, we'll just skip it. But there's been many comics, uh, com- comics 
regarding the fact that people just stare at one screen all day. And then when they're going to disconnect from work, they go stare at different other um, bad rectangles, whether that be your TV or your phone. <laughs> and that's basically people's lives is waking up at 7 a.m. and then going to sleep at 1.30, having just stared at rectangles all day. And then when you really want to get crazy and really want to get away from it all, you stare at your same set of rectangles in a different location. Correct. Mm-hmm. I think I had four rectangles with me. So I had my MacBook Pro, I had my iPad, and then Kindle and phone. Yeah, four rectangles. Because Apple Watch is a square. C- correct. Yeah, that checks out. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, before we get, it's going to be a jam-packed episode because we have to cram two very busy weeks into one standard episode. But it just kind of in, in the context of Airbnb hunting, um. Can I can I talk about a design trend in houses and Airbnbs that I absolutely hate? And you can tell me because you are the more um, domestically and aesthetically inclined one of us. You can tell me if you. <laughs> that is a compliment. I don't. I, I was going to say thank you. I think you're the you're you're much more HGTVified than me. You know that's what Christina thinks true. is in vogue. I'm the I'm the one of the two of us that's subscribed to discovery plus mm-hmm. so again that checks out yeah you're you're the good property brother or whatever <laughs> you're you're no doug um where was i going with this oh do you, are you familiar with what a uh, a barn door is yeah uh-huh or what do you think a barn door is because i thought a barn door was something else but the barn door actually ends up being the name of the thing in houses and, mo- and mostly like cheaply made airbnbs that i hate what do you think a barn door is well, I, I, there, there's two of them in my family room. So do you want me to tell you about those? Sure. We had these big, heavy, sliding mirrored doors that covered the, the closet in our family room, which is, which is basically just our laundry room slash where the water heater is slash where we store the portable air conditioners <laughs> this time of year, et cetera. And we replaced those um, mirrored closet doors with uh, barn doors when we ripped out the carpet in that room and put in the the new flooring and all that good stuff. So that, that is the, the, <laughs> the thing that I, that I, at least when it's employed in Airbnb. So, so to clarify the other type of barn door, like I always thought barn doors in a house was like a Mr. Ed type thing. Like where, and first off, do you know what Mr. Ed is? No. As you can Google it, but it was a television horse from the 60s. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, again, it's, it's, it's a kind of obscure reference, but no more than like my mother, the car or something. But, uh, but the thing where you have like a front door or some like a kitchen door where you can kind of have it become like an ad hoc, like a takeout window where the bottom half, like it opens up separately. But yeah, but the barn doors, I don't like because in a lot of this is probably there was when i took my uh uh mountain states road trip last fall there was this one thing that was called a tiny house mm-hmm. um and the bathroom door was a barn door and i very much don't like that um and just browsing so many airbnbs a lot of them have it and i don't see how that's better because it's not a situation where a regular door wouldn't have worked. I feel like sometimes, like yours, if it's if it's in a closet situation, I think that makes total sense. But like if you were to like get rid of all like the, the swinging 90 degree doors just because you want to 
make things look more transitional or beach chic or whatever. I I, I don't think it really, I don't think it me- it meets like meets the moment or does what it's supposed to do. Using a barn door as a bathroom door is is definitely a a big no no in my book as well. There's some logistical issues with that, which which we don't need to get into here. Hmm. <laughs> The the reason you see you know the barn doors everywhere in Airbnbs is just because you know they're they're super they're super trendy right now. And also, like, is it cheap? Like, is that is that the thing, or is it just photograph well? Because like, it's it's not it's not practical. I'm trying to think because we've, I mean, in in the time since we've purchased this home, we've also replaced all of our interior doors, and I don't know. I they're they're probably about the same price roughly i guess so well can i ask because like why 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 didn't you live out your dream if you had an opportunity to you you redid floors and you redid doors why did you not replace all your indoor doors with gullwing doors why didn't you live out your model (laughs) x dream in your house you know i suspect one half of the household uh, would not have approved of that well no she's one third you you've got i'm I'm sure you can whip the votes at the the time at the time that the well, actually, no, I guess Branson would have had a vote, so I don't know. Maybe he would have been on my side. Oh well, that, well, oh, but now now you're back into a situation where you um you could two have and a, two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is why there can't be eight Supreme Court justices. Who's the Vice President Harris in this scenario? Who's the tiebreaker? <laughs> I don't know. The, 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 the <laughs> Council of Sheds in the back. Yeah. They, they all became sentient or whatever. But yeah, barn doors are <laughs> barn doors in a non-storage capacity, or I I just don't think they don't they don't convey like ultra high class. Like it's it use making it your bathroom door doesn't make it look cool. It just makes it look weird. That's it. Airbnb you, owners knock it off. Yeah, I, th- I think I don't even know if I would necessarily think people are doing it to be high class. I think it's just like I said earlier, trendy. Or I guess that's what I mean by trendy. I don't. I don't think it looks. Um, I don't know. Like, cause it's not even modern. Like most of this would be. Uh, I don't. I don't know the lingo if it's rustic or if it's, it's. It's almost like one of those things that, when the trend started, part of the appeal was that it was very novel, mm-hmm. and now it's like everybody has done it, and still thinks it's novel, but it's it's very much not anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's the subway backsplash of doors. It, there's, that's see look at you you know you you're, you're more that, hgtv if i no that's not hgtv are. that's that that is unfortunately actual other uh, knowledge but yeah yeah i'm closing yeah. this google image tab because this just makes me mad i like it's it's <laughs> impractical this is i'm trying to think of finding a way to this this is like the um no it's not the apple tv of doors but I'll, I'll think of an apple connection later <laughs> and then we can we can edit it in post okay yeah we'll do okay that. we have so much follow-up to blow through so oh actually this ooh, i i'm gotta pat myself on the back this dovetails perfectly uh you're mad at hdtv for some reason or discovery plus well actually both so i've briefly mentioned this i think on our last episode but i, I want to sort of call it out a bit more here because there have been some some other examples that have come up of this since we last spoke and this is a trend where discovery is not only creating you know new original programming for discovery plus which of that you know that's that's totally fine and they should do that but they're also taking shows that had been on 
just regular discovery on, on regular broadcast TV and are pulling them off of broadcast TV and then making them exclusive to Discovery Plus. And, you know, there's plenty else in the world to be more upset about right now, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. And it doesn't seem like that's a, like a winning strategy in terms of like winning over people to subscribe to your service. It seems like you're just going to irritate people. So can I ask, how does this manifest itself? Because I mean, I, I haven't used Comcast on demand in a very long time, but like I, where were you accessing the back catalog, I guess? Other well, no. So, so what HGTV. they've been doing? So they what they they've had a couple of shows of which one of them is Chopped Sweets, which I know you're a big fan of, mm-hmm. that have been preparing to come back for their new season. And so you you'll see ads that say, "Oh, hey, you know, Chopped Sweets is coming back for its next season now exclusively on Discovery Plus." So this, they're 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 advertising on the broadcast channel to say, "Hey, you know." The show's no longer here. Go subscribe to this other thing. Well, but they're they're basically just negging the audience, being like, "Hey, you're still watching linear TV, so you're you're a dummy. Go go sign up for this." Yeah, mm-hmm. but well, so I but I guess my question is because we'll talk about. Um, I don't even know what it's called. It's called Guys Country Home. Well, we'll we'll get to it. Um, but like sometimes I'll just I'll be switching off cable news for a minute because I just can't take it anymore. And I'll go to HGTV for a minute. And they just like, it just seems like for like a, just a random Thursday, they'll just have like eight hours of just chopped in a row. Same thing with HGTV where they'll just have like seven hours of love it a list it, which may or may not be a show. So I guess what's going exclusive because otherwise they don't have any content to fill the, their airtime with because they don't have enough, like just a, a random weekday on one of these channels is usually just multiple hours of some show that they've made like a million of. Well, it, it it pains me to say this because I actually do enjoy the show and the host in particular, Scott Conant, I like quite a bit, but Chopped Sweets is sort of second tier Chopped. It, can, can I'm sorry to, and can we clarify that Chopped itself is like third level Top, top Chef yeah. knockoff? No, <laughs> so, it was, so when you think about uh, on the on the hierarchy, I think that makes Chop Sweets like eighth tier, maybe. How 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 dare you? You don't even like it. I, I you're, you're I, getting offended I, on behalf of a show you don't like. No, I I I, I mostly like it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you, you did not say that with any conviction, but it's okay. <laughs> but the the point being that it doesn't seem like so far they're taking any of their sort of premiere shows and moving them exclusive to discovery plus like the other example that comes to mind is one of the property brothers like 18 different shows is doing the same thing but it's it's not it's not like their main show so i think there's plenty of other content to continue to fill 24 hours in the day on you know broadcast tv discovery got it um and then with that this weekend um flipped on the food network for a minute and i did not know and apparently there's four seasons of this thing i unironically absolutely and i'm not feigning ignorance here did not know that a guy's ranch kitchen is a thing which i will clarify the premise of the show is not that guy just puts for ranch on everything in the kitchen that might be a better (laughs) show 
even though it'd be grosser. Uh, grosser as G-R-O-S-S-E-R, not grosser like Guy's Grocery Games, which is another show on the Food Network. Um, I don't understand what this show is. Apparently, Guy Fieri has a house in the country, and he's got a Santa, big old... Santa Rosa. Is it really in Santa Rosa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, next time I, when the, when the Charles Schultz Museum opens back up, I'll go there for lunch afterward. There you go. But they've got a big old pizza oven, which has a gigantic uh, Flavortown Drive uh, <laughs> sci- street sign on it, uh, which I think you made the offline online joke that you're going to go buy an uni pizza oven and, and slap Flavortown on it. It's, it's, I, I wasn't joking, but continue. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll go get one of those um, Home Depot, the orange Homer buckets, and then you can just I, fill that with donkey sauce. I have like four of those. So yeah, the ones I that could, say, I let's could... do this on it? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I think by law as a homeowner, you have to own at least four of those. Uh, checks out. And, a bu- <laughs> and, and, um, and one of those shitty $25, uh, Home Depot, um, tool sets where none of the I, tools are actually very good, but that was, I think literally the first purchase I made when we bought the house. Yeah, it's lousy. But actually, that that's it's, for yeah, another it's, week. It's not very good. No, so you you can you can tangle this, but uh, for another week, I do want to know if you ever intend to like develop like uh, a proper like tool kit. If that ever becomes like, do, do you own any appliances or not appliances? What are they called? Um, like you're saying like power power tools. tools. There we go. No, not really. Okay, um, th- th- for for another week. This that'll that th- th- so. Yeah, well, we'll we'll come back to it. The the quick thing I'll say is that, yes, I fully intend on sort of building out a a nice tool set. It's something I think about quite regularly, especially, you know, during the last year where there hasn't really been much else to do. And I, I don't particularly want strangers in my house. You know, we've been sort of doing some things around the house that maybe otherwise we would, you know, hire somebody to do. And, um you know, not having high quality tools is, um, kind of a, a bummer sometimes, but a gating factor for me is the lack of a garage. Uh, so. when, when has that stopped you from snoring things outside of a garage? Again, just make, just make a walk-in shed for a tool thing. Like same thing where, um, what's his name? Stephen Hackett has his Mac museum, uh, in his workspace in the, in the back. Yeah, I need to I need to reorganize the sheds. The the sheds are a bit of a mess right now. And um, I I am actually thinking about building a fourth shed too. But we we can come back to that. <laughs> I, I go away for a week and you're already just off the rails. Uh does why is Richard Blaze on every Food Network show? Do they I, not, him, do they not and, invite him to Top Chef anymore? Him and um I think it's him and Guy must be friends because he's he's on every one of Guy's shows. I maybe have a false impression of Richard Blaze being higher up in the culinary world than he is. But okay, people people really we talked about this before. People really like Guy. I mean, no, I think they, they do, but but the audience that they're reaching is not trying to be judgy or elitist. But like, I I, I just feel like the people who are watching Guy's Grocery Games is not mix are not people concerned with like michelin stars and something which is what i think richard blaze tries to be i don't know i feel i feel like he always kind of tries to go in the elitist or in kind of in the super high class food circles but 
Uh, he was he was yeah, he well was before t- I got into the the whole Top Chef thing, so I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with his work as well. Yeah, he was say. on Top Chef All Stars a couple times. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, and on that episode of Guy's Ranch Kitchen, uh, there was a, a, a one of the people on there was somebody who I haven't heard of in like 15 years, Rocco Despirito, who I mm. think had a show. There was like some Mark Burnett reality show on NBC, and not not the bad one. Ugh. But uh, on NBC, and I think Rocco Despirito was the one because he was like the it chef in New York City in like 2005 and then just kind of fell away. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, Model S is likely to come with a traditional steering wheel after all, just because, of course, it would. Um, You can't tell from the picture, though, whether or not it has the stocks, though. Uh, the article clarifies that it does not. Hmm. Okay. Well, so it's still, it only addresses like one of the six problems then. But addresses the most glaring problem, I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, did Did you listen to the, the Tesla thing on ATP? The one from like two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. It, it hadn't even occurred to me with the steering yoke thing, how if you ever had to make, you know, a turn where you rotated the wheel fully. Oh yeah. Like how would that even work with, well, you just, you just with a yoke? Well, yeah, it would just be uncomfortable and unsafe. Yeah. 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 I still think without the turn signal stock, like no matter what, that's just always bad design. Like this feels very much like a MacBook one situation. Whereas it's just unnecessarily bad, but yeah, the, the stocks in the, well, in, in all the Teslas are, really nice they've got a really good sort of tactile feel to them they're highly functional for what they are and i don't know why they would take those away uh progress or courage, courage. Mm, yeah mm-hmm. can't innovate my ass mm-hmm. oh but you can when it comes to taking bitcoin <laughs> as payment for one of these fucking cars um the Oh, I had it down in the wrong section. Yeah, so apparently Tesla, they bought $1.5 billion of Bitcoin. I don't know why. What, what was, was that just like framed as like, hey, this is just a good investment for the company? Or did they somehow suggest it was going to be used in the business for something? Well, I mean, they, they've said that they're going to you know start accepting it as a form of payment for their cars. But so. the company itself also bought $1.5 billion of the cryptocurrency. You know, I guess as a way of, um, I don't know, valid, you know, validating that they were serious about it. Mm. Um, I saw some headline today that they've made some ungodly amount of, well, haven't actually made the money. It's all, it's, it's all, you it's know. paper money. Yeah or digital money i I don't know um but i think bitcoin's gone way up since they they bought it so i don't know yeah nothing nothing means anything but um yeah the electric article shows that they bought it at forty four thousand dollars per unit of bitcoin and i think today it was like 52 whatever doesn't doesn't matter um so yeah there's that all right Sonos apparently is going to be introducing a pair of headphones and possibly a less chonky version of the Move. 
So not really interested in the smaller version of the move. I, I could see why maybe that would be appealing to some. I don't have the intention even, you know, sometime in 2028 or whenever when I start traveling again. Like, I'm not going to be bringing this thing around a ton of places. Like, the majority of where it's going to go off of its dock, which in totality is not going to be very much, is just, just around the house. So I don't particularly care that it's a little bit on the on the bigger side. And presumably a smaller version of it's not going to sound as good. So for someone who mostly just has it in the dock, I'll take the bigger size for better sound quality. But the thing that I'm really interested in seeing are these headphones. I'm I'm super Why? interested to see... Cause Why? I, cause I think, so it, it's, it's, it's one of the, um, details of the, the flight simulator rig that I built that we had, didn't really ever get into. Cause it, I don't know, it's not that super interesting, but I still haven't found a great pair of headphones for it. Um, so I'm like sort of kind of in the market still for a good pair of headphones and the Sony XM4s. Can can those work wirelessly with a computer though? Wirelessly or wired? Wirelessly. Yeah, why not? Well, because I don't know. Windows is is kind of weird with certain Bluetooth headphones and whether it it can it can use them as like speakers or whether it just recognizes them as a headset. And there's like I guess there's some like Bluetooth hackery stuff you can do to to make any pair of headphones work, but. I don't see why they wouldn't like, I mean, I do like them because like I'm able to use them right now with zero latency because they support noise cancellation while being plugged in. But also I don't don't want, I don't want noise cancellation either. Well, you can turn that off, but also, but I mean, at that point, then these are obviously going to be noise canceling. Otherwise, why would they exist? Well, they, they should, it doesn't, they don't have a point to exist because why, why, what part of Sonos makes these make sense? Because I guess, how do they presumably fit into the sonos ecosystem which is a wi-fi based thing i i assume it's going to be a similar story as the move where it'll be able to seamlessly transition between your sonos system and bluetooth and i think that's really cool but who but but sonos is like whole home audio like i i just i don't i can't see can you can you give me a use case of where you think somebody wants headphones that are not just bluetooth to their phone or their laptop i guess i I just can't really see that well i mean i guess range would be one thing so if you want to be able to wear your pair of headphones sort of seamlessly through the whole house you wouldn't be able to do that with bluetooth but you would be able to with a sonos based headphone okay um I think some people, I'm not one of them, but I think some people are really deep in the Sonos app, meaning that, you know, you connect all your third-party music services and then you basically just access all that music directly from the Sonos app. But then that still involves your phone. Um, can you not access that stuff like on a computer? I guess you can't. Huh? Well, but then you all would right. just be using your computer. Like, I guess, like, the, the uh, like the thing that's, like, obfuscating the d- the playback device, like, that part of it doesn't get you closer to anything. I don't know. I mean, I mean, why why not? But I guess I there's no way these are going to be cheaper 
than the Bose 700s or the Sony XM4s. And definitely, I mean, they're probably going to be, I would assume they're going to be 499. Oof. Like, Damn. but, but just, but, but why? I just, I don't see its reason for existing. Um, and for a company like Sonos that I, I just feel doesn't have the leeway to just make random stuff, especially now that they're a public company, like just why? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, just, if these, I'm curious to see what these are. Cause if these are just Bluetooth headphones with the Sonos name on them, that would make zero sense. No, no, I, I don't think that's what they'll be. Yeah. All right. Um, and yeah, the, the smaller move, no, no interest there. I will say that I did for that short trip that I took. Um, I took the Sonos move with me and sure. I do, it was, it was pretty good. It is, it, it takes up a surprising amount of space in a, in an away suitcase. Um, <laughs> it's nice that it charges through USB-C sounds great. Um, uh, again, something I don't get to test out at home. It sounds much better, uh, at louder volumes than it does mm. at lower volumes, which is the point that I made when I was doing my speaker tests, which was the move sounds fine on its own, but in my apartment sounds much better when used as like a multi-speaker pair. Uh, but on its own at louder volumes, it's, yeah, it's very room filling and very nice. Yeah. I've, I've actually been finding that with both the beam and the arc as well. I mean, they sound, they sound good at any volume, but when you when you're able to turn up the volume a bit that you're like oh okay yeah this is this is starting to sound really good now yeah but the um, but the sonos ones i uh or, well yeah the sonos ones but actually the sonos one um yeah they all they all sound much better if they're in a uh multi-speaker pair at lower volumes for apartment dwellers so did you were you using the move just in bluetooth or did you actually go through like connecting it to the wi-fi network where you were staying oh god no or just because i mean yeah no that i because i don't know how easy it is to break the sonos system pairing or any of that kind of stuff so no just bluetooth only yeah it's, it, it's great how it just seamlessly makes that switch i really like that a lot so that when you said that i didn't understand uh, under uh, just didn't understand what you meant by that but when i got home and dropped it on the dock, it was immediately back in like Wi-Fi ready to pair airplane Well, yeah, mode. so I think, so, you know, there's the button on the back of it. So when it's off of the dock, you can click that button and it will, you know, toggle back and forth between connecting to your Sonos system if available or Bluetooth. But when you put it back on its dock, if it's in Bluetooth mode, yeah, I think it automatically switches back into um, the Sonos mode. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's it. Um, talk about EVs or talk about the multipad lifestyle. We got to talk about the multipad lifestyle. We've been been sitting on this for for a few weeks now. So, have I already explained on the show what this project was based off of? No, I think everything we've discussed so far about this has been offline. I think okay, offline online. Since, you know, we don't ever see each other truly offline anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think I've gone on the record that I don't like iPads. I think they're yeah. leg- legitimate computers. Oh, hold like on, I... let me let me go back and... Yeah, yeah no, you, you have said that, yeah. <laughs> Story checks out. No, not fake <laughs> news. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't like iPads as work devices. I have tried many times to make, uh, make, to make iPad happen. Um, we will remember the Apple commercial about the kid that says, uh, what's a computer? And the fact that I I assume I like I almost ripped out most of my hair when that episode or when that commercial came out. 
I, uh, the iPad for me has been a device that I use on airplanes to do crosswords and to occasionally watch video on. And my screen time usage on iPads generally ranges between one and five minutes a week. <laughs> Not even joking. And I like when it gives you a report because every once in a while I'll plug in my iPad, my, my 2016 iPad Pro 9.7. I'll plug it in because I'm like, I haven't plugged this in for a while. And sometimes it will be at like 2% battery. Sometimes it'll be so dead that it doesn't, it just has, shows the Apple logo five minutes after charging. And you get a notification that says, hey, your screen time was up 95% this week to a total of two minutes. And I always get a <laughs> kick out of that notification. Um, but my beef with that has always been that I don't think iPads for non-artistic purposes are not terribly good computers or good devices. I think they're fantastic, fantastic consumption devices. And I will double down on that because I am slowly becoming more of an iPad fan. The dispute is mostly that I just don't think they're well suited for getting work on. Apple kind of reinvents multitasking on it every two years, then forgets that they care about it. Uh, I always have to Google every time that I want to figure out how to do like two apps at once. And I never remember again. And there, it's just it's it's not for me. And we we both listen to a, a program called Upgrade, where one of the hosts is a proponent of what's called the multipad lifestyle. And can you give a brief summary of what that means for that individual? So Mike Hurley owns both sizes of the iPad Pro. So he owns the twelve point nine iPad Pro and the eleven inch iPad Pro. And I think he's discussed how you know. During the pandemic, this is not so much a thing anymore. But you know, pre-pandemic, when travel was a thing, he would use his 12.9 iPad as like his home iPad, and then the 11-inch one as his travel iPad, something like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Or I think he also may have had some. I think he might have had a third particularly one. upsetting use cases where he would like use both at once i i, oh, I think you can do I, like a dual screen a dual screen thing kind of yeah i think i've sort of blocked that out of my oh <laughs> yes because no i remember there was a picture he tweeted once of like during an apple event where he was using like split screen on an ipad to watch the keynote and had his 11 inch with the apple pencil and it's like it, there, there were it was like kind of a i've never seen star trek but i i assume there was a thing <laughs> where there were just like what people thought the future was there were just like these like slates that all had like images on them I think that's literally what he was doing, and then we both kind of lost our minds. Yeah, it's very, very upsetting. Uh, but again, to each their own. Again, I want people to use whatever computing devices they like. I'm not I, like I, I don't honestly believe like anything negative about somebody who can make it work. But just for me, I've all I've tried it. I there, I do think there are some true advantages of iPads. Like I will always buy the cellular enabled one because I really like the ability. Like I don't. Even though the feature's been around for five years, I still find these uh, personal hotspot feature, it, it doesn't work. It fails often enough where it's really, really annoying. Um, so I do like the idea of embedded cellular and like instant on and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's reasons to want an iPad to work, but it's just never been for me. But I have a super, super old iPad Pro from 2016 that never gets used, but I was thinking about again i feel like we did talk about this on the show a little bit where i have been trying to disconnect a little bit more um and not like and be able to sit down and read but also be able to maybe play some music or change stuff about the hue lights 
And then I will inevitably get sucked into just looking at Instagram or, or looking at something that's just a waste of time and distracts me from what I'm doing. So I was thinking like, hey, let me upgrade my iPad Pro. I can cascade that down and make that a locked down, like just coffee table computer where all I have on it is the Sonos app, Pocket Casts, and Spotify, and that's it. So I did that, and it kind of worked, but I ended up... So in the end, just to to spoilers, like I ended up getting two iPads, two new iPads, because the iPad Pro... What? Shut up. (laughs) Just doesn't matter. I ended up getting two, uh, two iPad Air 4s, because when I eventually cascaded it down and and repurposed the iPad Pro 9.7 as the coffee table one. iOS 14 ran really slow on it and there was like a 2 second delay when you would tap the AirPlay button mm-hmm. and that drove me nuts. Yeah, okay. I and I I feel you. <laughs> and also the uh well there's a lot of stuff. I really didn't like once I saw an iPad that had edge to edge is the wrong word, but a sc- the home button that dynamic just got really irritating. So yeah, I was like, no. small smaller bezels are really nice, but also just like the home button just didn't make sense on yeah. it anymore. So in the end, yeah, I ended up buying. So this is a very this is going to be an onion story. This is a multi layered story. So I ended up then buying a just the cheapest iPad Pro. Or just the cheapest iPad Air that you can get, a 64 gig one with Wi-Fi only, because it's going to be my coffee table. Like it's basically it's a glorified Sonos remote. Like you know how Sonos used to make that, like back before iPhones were a thing, they had a little Sonos controller. Ah, uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically that for me. So now that I have that set up, there's a little, there's a couple, there's two ancillary stories related to that, but it is the perfect setup. So I sent you a picture in Slack. So if you could upload that to Imager or whatever to have it in the show notes, um, you will see in that picture that it's set up exactly the way that I want it, where it just has those core sets of apps. So effectively, it allows me to control my Hue lights, control Sonos to play a podcast, and it has the Calm app on it in case I ever want to try to like uh, do meditation, but I find meditation stressful and frustrating. But <laughs> Again, on another episode, you'll explain to me how because you're 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 a head you're a headspace or a calm advocate. Uh, headspace. Okay, but yeah, but you but you like it. I do. Yeah. So you got you got to tell me how to get on that. But yeah, so as a Sonos controller and something that literally does nothing but those things, um, it is fantastic, and that was a very good purchase because the way I justified it is that I will, I had the Logitech. Um, keyboard and i have an apple pencil for the ipad pro so i assume i can probably sell all that junk for three hundred dollars and that will make this a slightly less expensive project but the one the couple of hiccups with this is one when i bought the bare bones ipad air i bought it from amazon and when it arrived it arrived damaged Mm. where are you somebody who's picky about um a backlight very yes do you know what that means what what do like, i mean about being picky about it like where you get the like uneven backlight where there's like a corner where you can sort of like see um especially like maybe like on a dark background you can see kind of like picture. 
a, a bright, you know, like white light. Mm. So I just sent you a picture. Let's have a look at this. Yeah, like the, I think the backlight bleed, is that what they call it? Correct. So would you would you send this back or would you keep this? Yeah, I, I'd probably send that back. That's that's pretty bad. So nobody, uh, I, I I wonder if you should bleep this part. But so I bought it at Amazon. So then I was like, oh, damn it. Like I, I was really excited for this project. And I'm like, but this backlight's like that. That's uh, it's much, much brighter in a certain spot in the lower right corner. And when, once you see something like that, you can't unsee it. Correct. But again, but this was going to be a very low priority device. Like this wasn't going to be a device I use a lot or that I care about. And also, it's not a device I'm ever going to use with a bright like because when you turn on an iPad, it's it w- during the boot up screen, it's at 100 percent brightness, and I never use my devices brightly. Mm. So I, I started up a I, I went to the return center on Amazon, and did they for devices of this value, they do make you talk to somebody about it. And then what they asked, like I was just like, I just want the same thing again. But then what they what they said in the chat, and I didn't take a screenshot of it, is, well, would you keep it for a discount? Oh, so I was like, no, I probably just want a, 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 a the replacement just because it's like it's brand new. I want it to work well, but just for curiosity, like, what would the discount be? What do you think it was? And as a, uh, in keeping with this, they do ask for a picture of what's going on first, so they've sure. seen what it is. They may give you like maybe what twenty percent on an iPad. Is that, is that too high? I mean, it strikes me as too high. Okay. This this was know, an iPad that that's six hundred dollars. Ten percent. Twenty five percent. Oh, you 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 faked me out there. No, no, I didn't fake you out because here's what here's what was going on in my head where I was like, I don't like I like immediately I was like I don't I don't know about this, um, and I really don't like getting a device that doesn't work perfectly out of the box. So I was like, you know what? Fine if they do it like cause i honestly thought they were gonna say like 20 bucks and when they said 25 percent, which ended up being like 153 dollars or something i was like fine I'll, I'll that's fine i don't care so yeah that was very interesting hmm. and i and i yeah I, i'm surprised that you went that high well because I, I assume their like a dealer return policy with apple is not like i assume if it's just some like cheap drop ship stuff from china which is most of the stuff that's on amazon these days like that's the thing where they just have like an extremely liberal return policy or don't care but for something like this i assume taking that back actually does have a not insignificant cost to it the the lady friends actually had that happen a couple of times recently with target where she's ordered something from target.com and has subsequently wanted to return it not even when there's been anything wrong just something she ended up not you know wanting Mm-hmm. And she goes to return it. They give her a full refund, and they say, "I just you know just keep it, or you know donate it, whatever." So that has happened for a couple of low value things on Amazon, where I, I had something that was glass, and I think it was like twenty three dollars or something, and it arrived damaged. And I was, and they're just like, "Nah, just don't even bother returning it. We don't care." Like yeah. it's, it, it, I assume they somehow have a caught like a some AI or big data analytics that says, "No, this is just not worth it to ship back to us and have to handle." Hmm. So yeah, 25%. I was like, yeah, sure. Because so one, the iPad was $600. 
at Apple. It was five fifty nine at Amazon, which interesting because I know in order to get the Prime Video app on Apple TV, there was some deal that was struck where you can now buy like legit direct, like shipped and sold from Amazon Apple products on Amazon.com now. So I would have thought they only ever do MSRP, but no, all all of the Apple stuff is cheaper on Amazon. So yeah, five sixty. And then, so $40 off, and then times 0.75. So yeah, $600 iPad for $420. Not, not an Elon Musk thing, but $419.99, let's go with that. Yeah, that's for, for what is basically a glorified Sonos controller, that, that, that works. Yeah. Also, the Magic Keyboard is consistently $100 off at Amazon. I've, so it's, I've, to- I've told you about that, yes. Have you? You've, well, that's, you've, how, that's how I bought mine. Oh, yeah. So we'll get to that. But the Magic Keyboard's great. The iPad's still not very good, but the Magic Keyboard is is very good. So wait, so, so, so you're there's there's so much to unpack here. Hold on, so but, but, wait, have you have you gotten to the point where you decided to buy a second new iPad? Well, so I let miss- me let me let me let me finish the Sonos thing because okay, I'm going to okay. send you another picture. I'm I'm sorry, I'm making you do all this work, but because because I'm not. The whole reason why I'm buying this is because I'm I have I don't have enough willpower and um, fortitude to not just look at my phone. So the obvious question is, well, sure, you don't have many apps installed on it, but you can just you can just download Twitter and like three taps from the app store. So Apple has uh do you know what MDM is? It's that's like the 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 management certificate thing that like companies can install on your like company issued phone right exactly yeah so you can do mdm but it to do it through the cloud is kind of a you you need to pay apple a, a fee and it's a, it's a whole thing but they make a very a, a piece of very complicated and unintuitive software called the apple device configurator uh which is buried deep in the mac app store so what i did for my coffee table ipad is you can build an enterprise profile for it that allows you to turn off like everything on the iPad, including the app store and that allows somebody like me to like, I would have to literally like hard reset the iPad if I wanted to go install software or to install like an app just to like dick around with, which is enough uh, friction to make me not want to do that, which makes this a successful device for the purpose that I have for it. Um, so yeah, it's very complicated and it, is it fits like a very weird niche only for people with like broken attention spans, but for somebody who does want that and wants to be able to like sit down and read with a Kindle, but also be able to control hue lights and Spotify music over airplay. This is a uh, costly and difficult way to accomplish that, but it does work. So, yeah, Hmm. (laughs) yeah, it was, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's it's definitely a process. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. So a couple things on the iPad Air. So I did this is the this was the second iPad that I bought. The first one was my initial plan was to upgrade the iPad Pro to the iPad Air four. Um, and I did do that. I bought the two fifty six gig cellular iPad to replace it, but that one's going back because. Touch ID is really bad when it's in the home button. So 
And isn't, also, that, isn't that what your coffee table iPad has? Well, no, but that's the thing. It doesn't have a lock code at all. Oh, because it, yeah, okay. it, it, it I, and that's I, the I best see. part of this yeah, is that's why I love it because, oh, this is the other part. This is the reason why I hated the iPad Pro. And like when I was complaining about the home button, there's a feature that Apple artificially has held back on their devices for a while. Do you remember the iPhone 8 and everything, everything before the, um, the Face ID phones? Like your iPhone 12 Pro Max, you can wake it up just by tapping the screen. Yes. That's not like some, that doesn't require any special sensors. It's just something that Apple decided to start doing with the iPhone 10 that other manufacturers had done for a super long time. And the iPad Pro, it does not allow you to wake the screen up with just a tap. So that's the reason why. So with the coffee table iPad that I have, it doesn't have a passcode on it. it you can control music and do whatever you want with it just by tapping the screen you don't even have to involve the home button i don't care about security with it because it doesn't have my apple id on it it doesn't have any personal information all somebody could do if they broke into my apartment is listen to a bunch of taylor swift like there's no there's no risk here so wait yeah. so the, the you you can tap to wake the ipad air is that what yes. you're saying all ipads ever since they went with oh, like, like yeah. the ipad all the ones that have a semi edge-to-edge screen like an iphone 10 or later those you can tap the screen on so my plan of cascading that old 2016 ipad pro that was the other part it wasn't even just like the delay with like populating the airplay speakers which just had like this two second delay which just got grading really fast um yeah the not being able to wake it up with a tap was super super annoying yeah okay but yeah, but the iPad Air 4, the Touch ID is very slow and very inconvenient. It being embedded in the home button or it is or in the power or the sleep wake button is not good. So I'm pretty sure what I'm going to do is just end up returning that, go back to the iPad Pro 2016 that I don't ever use as an iPad iPad, and then wait for whatever the actual revision of the iPad Pro is going to be. And then probably get that, but so that this is the part of the story I I I, have, I don't so the the coffee table thing, I mean the 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 lengths that you've gone to lock it down. I feel like we could do like a multi episode series to break that down, but we'll we'll table that for the time being. <laughs> table. <laughs> I I don't get the replacing the non coffee table iPad. If if you don't ever use it, why do you need a new iPad? Because, so this is the other part. So this goes into where I'm going to talk about the Magic Keyboard. I still dispute that it's difficult and bad to get work done on an iPad. But using an iPad for almost any task is an order of magnitude better and more pleasing with the Magic Keyboard. I told you it's great. It's not great. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's. I think it's great. The Magic Keyboard is is fantastic. Like the trackpad thing, like because my because I've always been somebody who buys a keyboard for an iPad because like I I just the typing on glass I hate it. I, it just doesn't work for me for doing more than just like typing th like how do I dice an onion into Google, yeah, which I have to do. Yeah, every time. I I I took to typing on the iPhone quite quickly, mm -hmm. especially because I never. I mean I. I did technically have a phone with a keyboard for a while, but like it, it wasn't something I used a ton of. But the iPad keyboard, I just yeah, there's something about that I, I never. People, yeah, people who can type on glass, I just 
I mean, oh, God bless you. I like, I don't know how you can do it uh, for more than a few words at a time. But yeah, but the Magic Keyboard, like, it's really good. The the But it's it's only because, so again, I've had keyboards on iPads for forever. But the issue was you always had to lift your hand and just start manipulating stuff on a touchscreen. And then that made the text input think you were doing it with, like, the glass again. Where the Magic Keyboard is so much better because they did, uh, like, a full, full-assed implementation of uh, keep uh, trackpad support on it. Which it's... Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's too too damn expensive uh for what it is, but again, apparently Amazon just has it $100 off all the time. Like 199 for that accessory is the right price. $300 is 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 madness. But it's very good. Um the key feel is great. Um the lapability, as I sent you a picture when I was trying to get some work done in the car with it, not good not good in a lap but yeah it's it's it makes me want to use an ipad more not to get any actual work done like if i ever had to use excel or have more than two apps open at once i'm of course going to use a mac but if i'm just like i don't know just doing something on the internet like i mean i feel like i'd be much more inclined to pick up an ipad because the magic keyboard exists yeah i don't even think i have screen time enabled on mine but had I had it enabled, I'm sure that if you were to graph my iPad usage pre-Magic Keyboard and post-Magic Keyboard, it's gone up significantly. I mean, since I've gotten the Magic Keyboard, the iPad's become a device I use every single day. And that was most certainly not the case before. Bingo. Like, that, like no, that, that makes absolute sense because it's, it's just a much more pleasing experience where you don't, you, even though it's different, you don't have to like I like just mentally you don't have to like mode shift as much from using a a Mac. Like where an iPad has always felt like just like a gigantic phone to me. And that's not like again, this is with the caveat that people make amazing art and, and do and a lot of people really like the iPad, like and and do cool stuff with it. Like that's great. But for me it always just felt like a blown up iPad that had so many weird limitations because of the way the OS worked. But with a with proper trackpad support that's implemented really really well, and a keyboard, which do you, do you have your iPad Pro handy or no? Uh, yeah, I can reach across. There we go. Okay, so open it up. Just and just open an app. There's a few things where I'm a big person on keyboard shortcuts on the Mac and on any device I use. So open up an app on it. Let's see. I gotta move the microphone around. If I open like Overcast, would that work? Sure, anything. Okay. So on OS 10, I'm I'm I whenever I I try to like not have like 50 windows open. So on OS 10, you can hit Command H and hide the foremost application. So do that on the iPad. Well, Command H, you go back to the home screen. Exactly, because you're hiding the app. And then mm. if you wanted to take a screenshot, you can do Shift Command three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all that stuff where normally in the old iPad world you would have had to have done like actually manipulating the actual iPad itself. That all means your hands can stay on the keyboard, which makes it so much better. So the fact that they bridge the gap of making keyboard shortcuts very, very close to what it is on the Mac is great. Mm-hmm. So that that for me makes it a device I would want to use much, much more for casual computing. And not be frustrated by it. 
Yeah, I accept your apology. Did I ever say you were wrong for liking the Magic Keyboard? Uh, you were you, you were shocked and appalled when I bought it. Probably, but you might not have told me. <laughs> you, I, if I was shocked and appalled, it would have been because I thought you paid $300 for the keyboard. I, I thought I explained that I had bought it on Amazon, but maybe not. Yeah. So um, anyway, that, that's the thing where I feel like I'd want to use this much more now. And yeah, like, I mean, because my, my problem right now is that I, because I'm home more and even when I'm out, I'm not, I'm not taking my laptop with me normally where I would have. So I feel like my Mac, like my iMac gets all of the OS 10 time and I'm not really like my, my iPad gets used very little these days. So I, not that like I become an iPad person, but for casual stuff where I maybe would have taken my laptop to the couch, like, oh, feels like that might be iPad territory now. I, d- I don't know. I still don't like the iPad. Let me let me be super clear. But like this, this is not this is not a flip flop. So I don't, I don't want anybody to come after that. But I don't know. Like that's that's where I kind of want that. And I've liked the iPad Air four, but again, it's the Touch ID part that drives me nuts. Where for the coffee table iPad, that's not that's a non issue. But so, for so a, a couple, couple of things. Yeah. So I think the, so I, I, you know, as I've said before on the show, also love the magic keyboard. I think, I guess the one sort of downside, at least on the 11 inch iPad pro. And I, I guess the iPad air uses the same model of the magic keyboard as the 11 inch iPad pro does the keyboard. It's, it's a little tight, right? Especially the plus and minus keys. Yeah, they're half it, they're half size, and it, it's not always. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it like it, it like to the point where, and this is kind of the reason I wanted to bring it up is when I first got it, I thought that was going to be a deal breaker for me, but I was like, well, no, like you know, stick it out a little bit, and I also like it's not like I'm you know writing memos or something on this thing, so I'm not doing a <laughs> ton. <laughs> what was the last time you wrote a memo? Uh, you'd be surprised. There was, there was, that wasn't a sternly worded Slack. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised how recent it was. Interesting. Um, I mean, you know, accounting memos are a thing. Got it. Um, you know, I but I thought, well, I'm not going to be typing a ton on this thing, so whatever. I've actually gotten mostly used to it. Like, I actually don't find it to be too crammed most of the time anymore. Um, so that, that would be sort of the one caveat I guess I could come up with about the keyboard, but I I don't think it's it's that big of a deal and. You do really get used to it. But then the second thing I was going to say is that I think the one kind of hiccup in your plan here is going to be that all the rumors are pointing to this next refresh of the iPad Pro to basically like further differentiate them from the iPad Air and basically make them like super duper high end and consequently probably significantly raising the base price. So I don't, so that, I don't know if those are going to necessarily be what you're looking for. So then that might kill my plan just because I, I've never been like a big face ID person. Like I, I don't like it that much, but just the awkwardness of where the, the sleep wake button is makes it really well, annoying to use. But it's, but it's, it's sort of one of the great, mysteries i think of face id which is that it is so much faster and better and more flexible on 
my 11 inch iPad Pro, which is how many years old now? Two going on three? Than even my iPhone 12 Pro Max. No, but that, I don't that's, know, like, that's my point. What the, yeah, and like the Face ID is so great on the iPad. I don't, I don't know why the iPhone hasn't caught up, but no, but that, that's my point. Where that is the feature I would want. Like I like almost everything about the iPad. Like when I looked at the feature compromises of the 2019 iPad Pro or the 2020 iPad Pro and the iPad Air 4, like the iPad Air 4, like it made more sense and it was on average about like it, 150 to 200 dollars cheaper for the same thing. Because I don't like I don't care about the cameras or any of that kind of stuff. Because like who's who's taking pictures with their iPad? Like hopefully nobody. But that's the thing where Touch ID versus Face ID. I I have always preferred Touch ID, but the way that it's implemented on the iPad iPad Air four makes me want Face ID. So that's the problem. And I was reading stories about like kind of the rumors of what's going to be with the iPad Pro. And I didn't, I didn't get the vibe that it was going to be super high end or wasn't there a thing where like the, uh, weren't Mike and Jason talking about this, where there's gonna be like a bifurcation where the 13 inch was going to get features the 11 didn't have. Yeah. But I think they just, they can't have the entry price of the iPad pro be so close to the iPad air that needs to be, that needs to be spread out a bit. And it's $200 difference. No, but I think that, I think that's, I think Apple wants that to be more and spoiler alert it's not going to be the ipad air coming down in price so i i think it's well I, i'd be shocked if this starting price of the next refresh of the ipad pro was not at least a hundred dollars more than what the current base price is well that i can live with but see that ah oh man i don't know man that's that seems like a hefty purchase for something that even considering how great the magic keyboard is you know because like in like in my case, I I already had this iPad. Like I've I've had it basically since the 11 inch iPad Pro came out, and so adding the Magic Keyboard to it sort of like, well, but kind of retroactively went back and justified that probably ill conceived uh, purchase from a couple years ago. Yeah, that's some fixed rubber math. What's the <laughs> so what was the iPad you had before this one? I had the 10.5 inch iPad Air. That was an iPad Pro still, I think. So, but again, so in the time that I've, I guess that's my point is that in my justification for this. Oh, I make, I mean, I make, I make bad purchases all the time. I'm just trying to be a good friend and co-host here. When, and, when, and when, when has that ever been the case? From. When is that? You have always been the egging on, uh, hashtag old Carlos bad stuff. I, 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 you have very rarely talked me off a ledge this, of a purchase. This is a revisionist history. I feel like, no, 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 that you're totally right. But I feel like even for old Carlos, hashtag old Carlos, that this, this iPad strategy is, is gone off the rails a little bit. I'm again, I'm, I was, I was skeptical of both of your iPads coming into this. You've, you've convinced me of the coffee table iPad. Again, the lengths to which you've gone to lock it down. Many, many more questions about that, but the, the high end iPad, um, I don't quite get. Wow. I mean, how, I, how long I, have I got on mute for? I, I guess. Um, but, but let me, I guess, let me, I guess let maybe let me you're, you're, me, you're, hold on. Well, I guess I just, let's see, your, your best hope would be that when these new iPad pros come out, that maybe you can get one of the current ones like on the cheap somewhere or something like that. 
maybe because that's the problem where I don't want to pay the cost of the iPad where it basically got no update when it like it got that weird update where it got LIDAR or something and literally nothing else changed. Mm-hmm. That's the thing where I don't want to pay for an iPad that's actually slower than the iPad Air 4 and pay a $200 premium for for like two-year-old hardware. That's my, that's my issue. So here's here's my counterpoint. I haven't bought a new iPad in four and a half years. Excluding the coffee table one. That's 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 a that's different. That's different part of the house. So like I mean, four years with an iPad seems like a long time. And you had bought two expensive iPads that were both higher end than this one in that time, where I've still had this old iPad Pro. Two two wrongs don't make a right, as they say, Carlos. No, wait, that still doesn't make sense. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. Like, cause I don't know. Like, cause I do. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll I see. mean, if you're really, I guess, if you're really committed to using the iPad more, then... I'm not though. But it's, but it's. I guess the thing is that now that I have, cause I, I like, I use the, again. We talked about it, like I use it on planes and I use it in the kitchen. Those are the only two situations where I've used the iPad because again, it was never very enjoyable to use because like the Logitech create folio or whatever the hell the keyboard i had before like it was so horribly integrated that it just was not very enjoyable to use where now i kind of would and that where that kind of makes it feel like hey this ipad's overdue for an update why not does the magic keyboard change the story at all for you like around your dream mobile photo no editor scenario for the ipad no is is that all software limitation stuff? I don't I don't love like I like Lightroom on iOS, but if it's a kind of a thing where I'm like on a trip and I'm offloading like 300 or 500 photos, I don't like the way it works for that. Mm. Like if I wanted to quickly like just pick and choose like six photos off of a, like a day of out shooting, that I can even do on my phone. Like I don't see the benefit there with um with the iPad. Like I would still sure I might pick a couple of photos, but then I would basically start from scratch when I got back to my Mac. So not does, really. does does Apple Pencil not really have any use in Lightroom either? I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend $130 on the pencil for this one. Like I bought the pencil for my old one and I never use it ever. So I, I would does, I, that that's does not Lightroom even supported? Is that like a, a thing in Lightroom? I shows how much I know about. I mean, Lightroom. sure, probably. I mean, just because I think you can use the pencil as like a precision pointing device on any app, and with Lightroom, you're not really ever using, like, you're never drawing unless you're selectively applying an adjustment layer, and you're just trying trying to like sketch what the sky looks like and apply adjustment locally to that. But I don't think anybody does that frequently enough where that would be a reason to do it yeah yeah and again that at that point you would just use the, the trackpad or the magic keyboard right so anyway we'll see you have you've, you've thrown some kinks into this but um yeah it's fine i mean i guess i i mean you know wait wait to see what the new ipad pros are well but i, I but I, the problem is i have to get rid of this ipad here before my return policy expires well no sure yeah but then i guess from that point then you know wait to see what those things are and i I mean i don't know maybe there'll be something really neat about them that we're not thinking about yeah the one thing i i think i'm going to be upset about is that i don't like the uh pro motion display 
on the iPad Pro. Can you not just turn that off? I don't think you can. I, I, I like the ProMotion display. The problem with that is that if your phone doesn't operate that way, it, it's, that's the part that would be really annoying. Um, it's funny. That, that would be the type of thing that I would normally, or like you'd expect me to be really picky about, but I never think about that going back and forth between my iPad and iPhone. Hmm. And plus, um, it's, 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 I know we've been saying this for like the last two years now, but I, I think it sounds like this year's iPhone is, is finally going to get it. Yeah. But I thought, but it I seems think like it's... always on display and promotion or, are finally coming around this year. Wait, always on display on what? On the phone. Always on for what? I think there'll be some kind of like, oh, like the ambient know, display that Samsung does. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but would you use that? You have an Apple Watch. Like, I guess, um, like, what could it possibly show that would be, would you want on there that's not getting sent to your watch? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, because the because how Samsung's always used that, it's never actually delivered anything useful. Like, it's always just constantly shown the time and like your notification badges. And I feel like for Apple Watch users, that's a, a non, there's no value proposition there. And apparently, so real-time follow-up, you are able to um, turn off ProMotion by going into accessibility and it's called mm. limit frame rate. Got it. Yep. Anyway, so there's that. So we'll see. But again, coffee table project has worked out well. Um, anybody else who has a broken attention span can download the Apple configurator and spend eh, between four and six hundred dollars, depending if your iPad arrives broken, to get a device that only controls Hue lights and audio. So did you said you you cannot undo those settings? You can, but I would literally have to factory erase the iPad and like plug it into a computer. So like at that point, I would then just go grab my phone. The whole point is I'm going to have my phone like in the other room so I can't just go like dick around on it. So you can't open that configurator again and just undo the because the config the configurator is through the Mac. Uh huh. So can but you not just go back to your Mac and you check have a to, bunch of boxes again? But then it has to then apply all those to the iPad. So again, like if I've already gotten up to go plug this into my Mac, I like I'm in front of a computer now. I could then just go to Twitter on my computer. Okay. Because <laughs> the whole point is for it, it for like distraction to not just be like a few taps away in the app store. Like if I'm physically going to get off the couch and go to like a 27 inch display with everything on it, then if I'm going to waste time, I can just go do that. I think the point is that I'm very lazy. <laughs> if I have to physically go do something, that's a big impediment. If I can uh, do it on the couch, that's the problem. Wow. That took longer than I thought it was. Okay. EV updates blaze through this can you tell me what an euv is <laughs> <laughs> well last or not not last week but last show we had quite a bit of trouble explaining the difference between the volt and the bolt <laughs> so wait so that was so prescient like i mean <laughs> i know it really was oh man and we're you know we're not plugged uh plugged in to the um mm -hmm. electric scene enough to know that this chevy announcement was coming i mean i'm, I'm sure it, it was like a rumor and people sort of like knew about it but i mean this this i 
I opened this news article one day. I was like, oh, cool. They announced two new bolts. I had no idea. And then, and it confirmed that the bolt is the fully electric one. Good. Um, so yeah, so Chevy came out with the 2022 version of the Bolt EV, which is which is the car they've they've been selling. But then they also announced for the first time a Bolt EUV, which. I guess stands for What's electric stand utility for? vehicle. Ah, uh, there we go. Sort of like SUV, but EUV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sort of funny when you get into the the details, though. There there doesn't seem to actually be like a huge size difference between the two. Like Isn't I guess this, they're well, this exactly is like a model. the same. It's like a Model Three, Model Y situation where it's just thirty percent taller. But I think the difference is even less than that. Like they're the same width and same height, and the EUV Hmm. is like a couple of inches longer or something like that. Um, Hmm. I also meant to see how the EUV compared in size to something like the Model Y. In the pictures, it seems like it's smaller, but I didn't actually have the specs pulled up side by side well the huge difference is super cruise i was gonna say yeah the the one big differentiating feature between the two is the ability to add super cruise to um, the euv which i guess is not an option um with the bolt ev which is which is really cool you know uh, super cruise um i forget how much of this has just been an offline online conversation but well, is, so this this came up. There was there was an ad during the Super Bowl for the Super Cruise enabled uh, Cadillac Escalade, and I was wondering, kind of like, is Cadillac trying to pull a Tesla and talk about like they almost full self driving when they don't have that yet? But then you brought up that the the Super Cruise was actually very very competent, actually one of the best, um, like level two or whatever the like more advanced um, driver safety things. So yeah, I think it's mostly well, yeah, been an offline conversation. Yeah, so the so Super Cruise, which exactly like you said, is has only up to this point been available on like a really high end Cadillac model. Any review you read of it says, yeah, this is the one driver assistant system that is unquestionably better than autopilot. Um, and and the really big difference about it is that I for, I forget how the level leveling system works for driver assistance systems. I don't know if this is like a full level above what autopilot is. I, I guess it probably is because it's it's fully hands off. So there there's a camera inside the vehicle which is confirming that you have your eyes open and looking ahead on the road. And as long as you meet that condition and as long as you're on a supported highway because there's there's only certain highways that are built into sort of like the pre-configured mapping system then your hands can be totally off the wheel which obviously is is different than autopilot where it's checking to make sure your hands are on the wheel every 30 seconds or whatever um and yeah i mean i i've not read a single negative comment about super cruise other than the fact that up to this point it's only been available on like a eighty thousand dollar car 
And sorry, and I'm not sure if you mentioned this. So it has cameras that are facing the driver. So that's their workaround, which is that it's not your hands touch the wheel every 30 seconds. No, exactly. No, your hands are totally off. Yeah. But it's that if you start, if you don't maintain uh, eye contact with the road and you just start like just messing around on your phone, it will disengage until you power off the car. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it, it's and it seems like the supported highways are are pretty broad now. Like I, it's been a, I think they have a map that you can look at that that shows you basically you know what highways are supported, and it's it, it's pretty much all over the U.S. now at least. Um, but judging, and from, I you know, okay, oh, and I say I, I like you know how it's 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 framed, which is it's not meant to be a full self driving system. It's meant to be a you know highway driving assistance system which you know it's exactly how autopilot should be marketed too i mean what gets lost in all the full self-driving nonsense of tesla is that as a highway-based driver assistance package autopilot's fantastic it's really really good um so if they just framed it that way they they'd get really far with that and that's that's exactly what super cruise is marketed as and again like i i've never personally used it but it's universally considered to be really good um my only um my only like main critique for, at least from the the initial like handful of photos of the bolt ev and euv and the same could apply to the ford mach e which i don't know if we're going to get to that but all the software in these cars just looks terrible like this looks really really bad all the menus this look bad like all the just the design across the board i'm just not a big fan of so i'm gonna say you're right about that much more so with the ford because so at at your behest or at your recommendation so i, I watched a um somebody doing a drive from um Seattle to Portland um with Super Cruise in that weird like Cadillac like fancy sedan like the high end one. And yeah, the the infotainment software seems not very good, but I feel like The Verge had a good review of the Mach E. And yeah, it's like even though like the responsiveness isn't there, like it's it's kind of ugly. The Mach E has this weird thing where there's like this big dial kind of embedded in the touchscreen which they mentioned kind of doesn't really serve any purpose whatsoever since most stuff is still embedded on the touchscreen. Like, yeah, the design of it, of these is not very good at all. At least even though I will knock Tesla a ton for moving stuff that should have physical controls onto a touchscreen, at the very least, theirs looks uncluttered. Like, it always looked bad on the old Model S, but when they did the simplified redesign for when they introduced the Model 3, it actually looks very good. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that I'll fully acknowledge that as a technology nerd, I'm sure I care way, way more about than the average consumer. But it, I mean, there's so much about the the Bolt that I think looks really interesting. But taking one look at the the software that's built in, I'm just like, ah, that would basically just be a non-starter for me. I mean, I guess uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much of that. I guess you could sort of get around by the fact that you know it, it does support CarPlay and Android Auto. So presumably, you could, you know, spend most of your time in those and be okay. Although the one thing that I also meant to look up beforehand was 
when you're using Super Cruise if you have to be using Chevy's navigation system? And I I assume the answer to that is probably yes. That I don't think you'll be able to use Apple Maps and then yeah. also be able to use Super Cruise. And so that would be that'd be kind of a bummer. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have, we'll have links in the show notes for both of these. But yeah, the um, the Verge's review of the Maki had a pretty decent chunk devo- devoted to kind of how it looks inside the car and how the infotainment system works. Um, and yeah, again, both of these like the 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 Mach E visually, the the tail end is really ugly, but the rest of the car looks nice um, and looks fairly restrained. But yeah, the back's a little. Meh. The Bolt EV looks better than the current bolt but i don't know i don't don't think it's bad but i don't think it's great yeah i i think the both both versions of the bolt are fine i think the interior is the same way like it's fine yeah like at least they're not trying to make it look like the nissan leaf or something where it looks like a super like this looks like a funky like the whole like the weird rule where evs have to look different for the sake of being different i don't know this this looks like i mean chevy has had kind of like i think this looks much more like kind of like a subcompact suv more than a sedan like just because it's kind of tall for what it is i don't know it looks mostly like what it should look like i'm just going back a step here i'm i'm looking at that verge review of the mach which mm-hmm. we'll have in the notes i missed that dial in the middle of the touchscreen yeah that's what i'm talking about so, scanning this <laughs> initially yeah it but it, it's it's silly because like just why would somebody not use steering wheel controls for that like it it, it just looks so weird um oh i like that this guy has at&t because he's got 5ge <laughs> um but yeah and, and their big point was that charging in that review that charging is still just an absolute clusterfuck um, yeah yeah. Although, because like the one actually, sorry, we we got we got to hurry up. Uh, the, about the Mach E is that Ford has a what's called the Ford Pass app, and their whole thing is that they're going to like obfuscate the billing component of it, where you don't need to like maintain separate accounts for EVgo or whoever the charging networks are to make that easier. But they found that at least in their use that it actually didn't work very well. But conceptually, it's a nice idea. Yeah, <laughs> like that seems other. like yeah. yeah, right. It that seems like that'd be yeah, hard to actually execute on. Um the thing I do I guess sort of like about the way the Ford UI looks here is that it is kind of nice that you can be using CarPlay but then basically have that just sort of like living in a window and then you can still, you know, access a bunch of the other car menus and controls around that like that seems kind of nice mm-hmm. but yeah just all the all the menus and controls are just super ugly mm-hmm. yeah. all right so that's the ev update oh geez you were you weren't you weren't joking about the syracuse thing um <laughs> <laughs> again it feels like eight years ago the super bowl um we talked about it on the show when they for when fox first used the sony mirrorless cameras for end zone shots I think maybe, or was that mm-hmm. offline? I think that was so, online. 
So yeah, so we'll have a Wired article in here about some of the new camera um, and advancements that they used in covering this year's Super Bowl, which was a bit of a snooze and ultimately like the past 10 years has been kind of a bummer um, of how it ended up. But uh, yeah, there was a whole ton of um, Sony mirrorless technology that was implemented in it. In CBS's broadcast, they had um, a pre-release Sony Alpha A1 as well as a couple of Sony Venice cameras, which um, is part of Sony's strategy where you can use all of their E-mount lenses across multiple device types because they share the same sensor technology mount. So apparently they were able to use some mirrorless lenses on a full frame, but it's meant to be like a proper video camera. But either way, yeah, pretty interesting. And that looks like that kind of super shallow depth of field look that Fox pioneered is going to kind of become the norm um, in a lot of broadcast sports. It's pretty neat. But yeah, but that Wired article is a good um, kind of a fun read about the changes. So I I really like the effect. It's It's been really humorous how since Fox did it for that one game that you picked up on, like it instantly took off, you know, across all the other networks including cbs which was the broadcaster of the super bowl this year um the one thing that's weird about it though is that it's so jarring to go from one of their mirrorless camera shots then back to one of their regular shots like it it's again maybe some of those things that you just being a tech nerd you notice more but it's just it's it's like switching in between like two different modes which is which is kind of strange it but is, it may, but it does look really nice. I mean, it is. So here's the, so with that, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Where and and this was the thing about the CBS broadcast because again, like I didn't care about the game at all, and I only started watching in like the third quarter because I kind of wanted to see what they were doing with the camera stuff. They had it a lot. Like it, it's it. This type of technology is never going to replace kind of the what's it called the sky cam. What's the thing where it gives you kind of like the all angles, like but from the top of the field. Something like that, maybe? That, they, they call that the All-22. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Can't tell me. Well, sure. they, don't, they don't show that on the TV broadcast, though. You're talking about the thing that's on the... Like, that's the, on, like, the, the wires. Yeah, yeah, that just kind of allows them to be in the middle of the field. Uh, where you otherwise there, is another, there is another camera that sits, like, way high up in the stadium, but that's, I think, reserved for, like, film review by each team's coaching staff oh gotcha no no but um, yeah the, the 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 i think it's called the sky cam yeah the one that's yeah. on the cables yes i mean that one and then like the ones that they have to cover the main action of the game i mean like those are never going like because because shallow depth of field is not what you want for that no. so basically off like uh, end zone stuff and sideline stuff would be the stuff that benefits from that super shallow depth of field so i feel like if that would if it's more like i feel like i feel like fox would do it tastefully like because they've they're usually pretty good pioneers in the in introducing new things to sports broadcasts like they're usually the ones that do new stuff first i think if they kind of doubled down on this idea and do it more where there's kind of like the super broad view of the action and then everything else if they do it effectively it could be a really cool effect rather than just a gimmick but i do think yeah you're absolutely right where it can be a little jarring because it is so different from what sports have looked like for the past like from the hd era up until like eight weeks ago the there, there was a funny um moment 
this was I I think some sometime during the regular season I still think like right after Fox started using this and the other networks were like scrambling to start using it I forget if it was NBC or CBS one of their first broadcasts where they had it they were just having so much trouble getting the camera to focus correctly mm-hmm. and so they would switch to it but it like it'd always be focused on like the wrong player. <laughs> um just i was just thinking like god yeah this is like totally trying to learn this new tech on the fly well and especially if you're just copying somebody else's work and you yeah you just yeah. yeah yeah if you just hand somebody like a super fancy camera just be like hey you do it and then right just, exactly yeah. yeah it'd be like if you handed me one of these things i just would you know um and one you know we've kind of commented on the show before how like i mean especially like with the sony cameras that we have like the autofocusing with video is, you know, it's a little, a little slow. It could be made better, but by out of the box, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of stuff we're not going to cover. So I'm going to give you an option. Broad overview of the six colors report card. We're talking about why the Apple TV exists. Um, I feel like we, we got to table the Apple TV discussion. Like that, that's a, that's a longer one, I think. Okay. Well, what was, what was the other option? The six colors report card. But that also talks about the Apple that's, TV. That's also It's the same the, thing. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Too. So no, then fine. We'll actually bump something up that I was going to demote, which this will actually be, I think a fairly amount of you talking. So you're an, do you, do you run anymore? That's a bit of a sore subject. No, Sorry. not really. But you, your your white whale. Um, mine was the, the the charger that charges everything, and yours has been podcast streaming on your watch without your phone, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you Overcast eventually solved that, right? Like pretty much, other than the fact that the watch is buggy sometimes. Well, that that's a big other than, but but yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I've been really lousy about running to the point where uh, if we include yesterday, I have ran twice in the past five months. So trying to get that's, back into that. So we'll see. Uh, that's about probably the number that I have too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, this, 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 um, uh, winter, uh, has not been kind to, um, not really looking to look at the Nokia scale much. Yeah. Um, but so I've been thinking, or another another kind of distraction thing. Now now I need a running iPad. Um, it's kind of <laughs> not letting the well, there's a, there's a show title. Um, not having like my post run thing of just being staring at the New York Times app and COVID rates and bad stuff on the way on the the three miles walking back to my apartment. So I'm thinking like, hey, like Ryan's always talking about how it's so nice to be able to just have some AirPods and his watch. So I wonder if I can do a standalone thing with my uh with my Apple Watch and just listen to music. But the thing is I am a Spotify user as opposed to an Apple Music user. So Spotify does have, I guess maybe Apple because Spotify was being so critical of them, let them make a native app. And as of a few months ago, there is actually a Spotify app for the watch that is not simply a remote for your phone so you can if you're on lte stream all your spotify music over cellular 
to Bluetooth audio from the watch. And my preferred running app of choice is Strava, which they have an Apple Watch app, but it's very bad. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just use the native watch workout app and try it with Spotify. And it actually worked. So my question, I guess, is how has your experience of podcasts been? Do your do you track a workout when you are using it for a walk? And specifically, how has it been for battery life? So I do... I do use I do use the workout app for walks, but in those situations, I also have my phone with me. So I'm I'm not using you know I'm not living the Apple Watch only lifestyle there. But um, back when I was running more, I did use the Overcast app primarily, along with um, just the the workout app. And yeah, it, it it does it does work pretty well. I mean, it it totally eats your battery life for sure. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, it's I mean, it's mostly pretty good. I mean, it's it it's it's really really limited. I mean, some of this stuff is is podcast specific. Like one particular thing is that you know you're totally reliant on Overcast's sync system if you're picking up a podcast kind of midway through. So like if you're listening on your phone and then you go out for a run and you want to pick up the podcast in that exact same spot, um, you know, Overcast syncs your progress. So, you know, that works like most of the time, but when it doesn't, there's really like no way to seek, you know, in a podcast on, on the Apple watch app, just because the like UI second skips. Yeah. Yeah. Like the UI is pretty limited. Can you um, access chapters if you're streaming a podcast? No, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it works, it works pretty well. Yeah. So th- that's the same story for Spotify. Like it actually works pretty well, but the problem is, and I, and I'm 100% sure this is an Apple limitation. There's no way for me to just say, Hey, I want my running playlist to be cached locally on the watch. So it has to stream over cellular. So uh, I went for a three mile run and then three mile walk back to my apartment. So I just sent you two screenshots. When I left the house, it was at 73%. When I got back, it was at 28%. And the total like active time uh, was like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, that's rough. So that's where I don't know, because that, that was a really light day of using my watch, where normally by like 7 o'clock, my watch is not at 73%. Normally, it's like around 50. So I don't know if this is going to be an effective long-term strategy to not have to take my phone with me on runs. I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to try it a couple more times, but I'm surprised it works. Like, I mean, for the most part, like, I mean, Spotify was rock solid. But yeah, but that battery life, I, and here's the thing, I can't tell if the battery life problem here, or if the big drain is the fact that Spotify has to stream like an hour and a half worth of music over cellular on a watch that's not really meant to be connected to cellular that long, or if it's the GPS, because it's not able to piggyback off your phone's GPS. But either way, I went from 73% battery life to 28% battery life over the course of like an hour and 20 minutes. 
<laughs> which is i mean th- that's that's kind of a yikes like i mean if if i had been feeling more ambitious or was feeling good about like my run and i chose to do five miles instead of three like my watch would have died yeah so. that's i don't remember it being quite that bad when i was using it with overcast but um i mean that is definitely like the most battery intensive thing you can use an apple watch for is on cellular streaming audio while tracking a workout like that's kind of and then streaming audio back through bluetooth oh yeah yeah yeah, exactly exactly yeah (laughs) so the three most power consuming things you could possibly do so yeah so I do have an Apple Music subscription as well, so I'm wondering if I should try, because I, I don't know if you can cache an Apple Music playlist to the watch, and maybe that would offload some of it, but I, I mean, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're offering you three free months, so maybe you should get, that should be a reason to get back into it. I, I <laughs> Test it out for me. I took them up on it. Oh, did you? I, I mean, sure. Why not? Well, because it, it auto renews. Well, um, but I'm I'm pretty good about remembering to cancel Om- stuff. OmniFocus is pretty good about remembering. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is is was Pandora? You still your only kind of like on it, demand? It, it was, and it, I'm I'm just off over. It. Yeah, I'm off it. Yeah, the 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 radio stuff is still quite good but the on-demand stuff i've been really patient with it for for getting better and it just just hasn't and the the app is still just not particularly great so no i'm i'm gonna give apple music a try here and then maybe give spotify a month i know you hate it but it's it's the best why so why is it better than apple music because and again i don't mean this in in a glib way spotify is made by people who like music so just every part of the interface except for the fact that they keep trying to shove podcasts in your face is the playlists are amazing the discoverability of other music um there's just a lot of fun elements to it that make it much more where i feel like and i think this is kind of consensus around most people who have tried both spotify gets you to listen to more music that is not just the same stuff you always listen to than apple music does and I, f- I have found a lot of artists that I would have never have otherwise found because of that. So yeah, I don't know. Spotify just has much, the discoverability is better and it's, it's just more fun to use. So I, would, I don't know if there's a free trial on Spotify, but it's worth 10 bucks for a month to, to give it a shot just before you pick who's like your, your ride or die for streaming music for the next decade. What if I only really listen to the same music all the time and don't really have much of an interest in finding new music? But uh, there's only so many times you could listen to uh, Sugar Ray and Linkin Park. Is there, though? Uh, I mean, I think legally. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this is wow. All right. Streaming uh, streaming music. Chef specials. I don't, don't think I really have one this week. I'm trying to think the last couple of weeks if there's anything anything new that's popped up. I mean, I, I guess sort of like kind of a half-assed one i suppose is um i'm back on reader as my rss app of choice what'd you fall back to or what'd you try with instead i tried net newswire for a while and you know it's a free app so i'm not i'm not going to sit here and like hate on it a bunch i mean it's really nice but it's just it's it's really really limited 
Like it, you like you you can't even change like text size on either the Mac or iOS app. So Reader 5 mm. came out a while ago with a bit of a cleaned up user interface and some new features and I don't really use a ton of the features but um um I've been happy happy since since coming back to it. And I I know you're not an RSS guy anymore but I I still am. No, it's all good. And um it's 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 good. I I like Reader 5. Good. And Reader has a like a proper OS 10 app. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And yep. Reader, you have to use with like a backend service, right? Like you pay for, I think it's called Feedly. Oh, so that that was that was a new feature in Reader Five, as they now support iCloud syncing. So you Ooh. can. Yeah. Cool. So I I have a um, Feedly account that I've. I think I literally migrated my Google Reader feeds to Feedly, like. <laughs> however many years ago <laughs> now got bored of it yeah like yeah and, and and have just i've just kept that yeah so well and yeah, no, they, they do uh, so yeah. icloud sync is a little little iffy well um, and the, so. the problem with i the problem with icloud sync is that you're, you're sort of locking yourself then into the the reader oh. platform whereas like having feedly like i do I, I can take that to any rss reader which supports feedly accounts which i think is basically all of them so yeah because you could you can export like an opml but then all of like you what articles you lose you've read like your, and, yeah. and like mm-hmm. what you flagged and stuff but, yeah exactly yeah yeah hmm. all right my pick is gonna be this was thankfully a uh something we thought of uh before the show started uh is an app called that's completely unmaintained uh, and i think marco was totally bored of it but it's called quitter so what it does is it's an os 10 application that you can run in your menu bar that allows you to designate a specific application like for me i have i have this with three applications i have it with um slack mailplane and fantastical where it will either automatically quit not which is not what i use it will automatically hide the application after five or ten minutes of inactivity and I know most people would say like, well, no, those are the things I want in my face all day because those are all I use. But it's nice to have a distracting communication app out of your face if you're not actively using it. Because, I mean, you generally will have already tailored your Slack notifications by channel for whatever is the probably the least amount of intrusion you can get by without being out of the loop on something. So having it not be in the background of your screen when you don't need it to in a systematic way is actually pretty good. So I would recommend people give it a shot. It is 100% free. It is super basic. And again, it's probably going to break on whatever the next version of OS ten is. But <laughs> I mean, give it a try. It's neat. Um, I've been using it for years. And yeah, it's pretty cool. 